0: Chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And the word said, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he, that's Jesus, passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Remember that. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, with a loud voice. Say loud. Some of y'all wonder why we get loud in here every once in a while. I came to tell somebody this morning. Sometimes when God does something for you, you can't help but just get a little bit loud about it. I mean, when it's the Kentucky Wildcats play and we get crazy, right? Well, i got to tell you something this morning. The God I serve never lost a ball game, never missed a field goal, never had a fumble. He's never made a mistake, and He's worthy of our praise. Amen? That was free. didn't cost you anything. Anyway, with a loud voice, they glorified God, fell down on His face at His feet, giving Him thanks, and He was a Samaritan. That's significant. I want you to remember that. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning of a thought the Lord has just given me and a message I've simply titled, Waiting on the Nine. Waiting on the nine. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me. Father, we thank you for everything that's taken place here so far today. We thank you for your presence that has been manifested here during the worship. Lord, we thank you for. Uh, What you have done in this place, Lord, over the month of November. My goodness, Father, we give you glory for six people that have accepted you as their personal Savior. Five people who have rededicated their lives to you. And eight people who have followed you in water baptism. We glorify you. We praise you. We thank you. And we honor you today. We lift up our voice and we praise you. For what you've done But God today's a new day And we believe you're going to do something in this place We ask you to do it today In and through your word God anoint every ear to hear Every heart to receive And anoint my lips That I don't speak my words God don't even let me speak With the enticing words of men's wisdom But let it be your word Let it come forth today In the power and the demonstration of your spirit And we'll give you the glory The honor and the praise For what you're going to do in advance In the mighty name of Jesus we pray And everybody said Amen. While you're being seated, could we just give God some praise for the folks that have accepted Him, rededicated their lives to Him. Come on, let's give Him some praise. Those that have followed Him in water baptisms, everybody say, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Waiting on the nine. As I look at the Thanksgiving story and its history, and I look at how we celebrate it today, I see some obvious shortcomings in the way that we choose to be thankful. So allow me, if you will, this morning to give you just a really brief history lesson. The pilgrims were originally members of the English Separatist Church, if you didn't realize that. Which was a Puritan sect uh, of, of, of Christianism, if you will. They fled England to Holland to escape Religious persecution because it wasn't a popular thing to be a Christian then. But once they got there, they also weren't exactly enamored with the Dutch life or the Dutch culture in Holland. And nor were they treated uh, and viewed very kindly. So they negotiated with a London stock company to finance a pilgrimage to America and most of you here is where you know to pick up the story. They set ground at Plymouth Rock on December the 11th, 1620 but once they set ground they were met almost immediately with hardship where almost half of those who journeyed with them died in that first winter. But in the next year the harvest was really good so they decided to celebrate with a feast Uh, and, And in that feast, they included all of the folks that made it through, that survived that first winter with them. And then about 90 Indians who had helped them to survive and plant crops. So, like I said, a very brief history lesson. But seeing that first Thanksgiving, which is the basis for our present Thanksgiving Day celebration. Like I said earlier, I see some shortcomings in the way that we give thanks. When we give thanks it always seems as if it centers around something that has happened to us or something that has happened For us but for us as Christians it should always include what God did in sending his son Jesus Christ to die for our sins on that cross so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life is anybody thankful for the grace and the mercy of Jesus today anytime we give thanks it should always include what the Lord has already done for us yet if it's only about something that has recently happened, there's a vital element that's missing. And so, therefore, I, I want to propose this this morning. The purpose of giving thanks is not just about being thankful for something. That has happened, but it also should be viewed as opening the door to a much greater blessing of what God has in store. Let me say that again. The purpose of giving thanks, you remember this this week, is not just about being thankful for something that has happened, but it also should be viewed as an opening door to a much greater blessing that God has in store. Methodist minister Charles Allen said this. Thanksgiving becomes a window through which God shines through. Thanksgiving becomes a window through which God shines through. It's this basic truth of thanksgiving that is becoming a window for God to provide a much greater blessing. And that's what's at the heart of the message that I want to share with you today. And that is what we learn from this bunch of lepers. In fact, every single time I read this story, it's this giving of thanks by only one. Think about that. Only one of them. the lack of it by the other nine that has always captured my attention. In order to understand this, you need to know a little bit about what leprosy is. Leprosy was and is, it actually still exists, they call it something else now, but it's a terrible disease. And it starts with these white patches normally upon a person's face. Which makes it impossible for them to hide the fact that they have leprosy. What happens is that leprosy attacks the nerve endings and the skin eventually becomes numb. So if a leper cuts themselves or burns themselves in these areas, they will never even know that they've done harm to themselves. But it doesn't stop just there. It also attacks their internal organs as well. It's said that more lepers die from other diseases because of their weakened uh, condition, their weakened immune system, rather than from the actual disease itself. And so at the pronouncement that somebody had leprosy in the days of Jesus meant that that person becomes, if I can use the name of a little TV series that a lot of y'all watch, that person becomes one of the Walking dead, right? They are dying a little bit at a time. That's what leprosy meant. It meant death little by little, a little bit at a time. And furthermore, lepers would be forced out of their homes. They'd be forced out of their villages and their communities because of their disease. They could not work Nor could they worship God in the temple or in the synagogues with other believers. They were outcasts, if you will, of society. They were the untouchables of that day. As a matter of fact, whenever a leper came into a room or into a public place, even outdoors, they had to loudly proclaim, Unclean! Unclean and everybody would, would avoid them and stay away from them like the plague But they, would not, they, they couldn't touch a leper As a matter of fact to touch a leper or to even touch something associated with a leper An article of clothing or anything according to the law of Moses would make the toucher unclean You can read that in Leviticus chapter 13 verses 45 and 46 And that's the story of these 10 lepers they were wretched, they were forsaken, they were disheartened they were hopeless, they were helpless, they were outcast amongst their family and their friends but something that I do find interesting is that even in this dreaded condition the lepers formed a fellowship the fellowship of the lepers if you will and this is significant because in the Mosaic law it says that lepers were to dwell alone they could not dwell with anybody else and while such a fellowship is the last thing that they should have done according to the law it was in reality the very first thing that they needed to do which they recognized and when listen to me uh, when we feel like they did, because how many knows sometimes you feel disheartened? Sometimes you feel alone. Sometimes you feel helpless. Sometimes you feel hopeless. Sometimes you feel insignificant. But when we feel like they did, instead of being alone, I want to tell you something this morning. Being alone is the very last thing we should do. Did you hear me? I want you to hear me if you're still watching by live stream and you've not made it back to the house of God yet. Being alone and worshiping alone is the very last thing that we should do. As a matter of fact, this book says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but even so much the more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because together in the fellowship of other believers, you'll find strength. You'll find help when you feel helpless. You'll find hope when you feel hopeless. And you'll find that you'll be lifted up when you're downtrodden and feeling disheartened. It's the very last thing that we should do because together we garner encouragement and strength from one another. Listen, folks, we all need fellowship. Whether we, You may not like all the fellows on your ship, but we all need fellowship. Whether we like it or not, we need human touch, human interaction. As a matter of fact... This pandemic has caused such mental distress and disease. I want to tell you something. The pandemic has done more damage through the way we've tried to avoid it than the pandemic has done itself. People have stayed alone and become isolated and become depressed. Listen, I remember over on AG Road, I preached for 10 weeks into a camera with empty seats and thank the Lord somebody I think it was Caitlin loved me enough imagine that Caitlin most of the time she don't act like she loves me enough. but anyway Caitlin I think it was her idea loved me enough that they came some some folks came into the church and there was more people that helped her and they printed off many of your pictures and taped them to the seats where you would have been sitting and I'm telling you what that Sunday morning I preached like my coattail was on fire So see, you don't even have to help me, just sit there and I'll preach. But I do preach better and shorter when you help me, just remember that. But it has caused so much depression, so much anxiety. We need to be with each other, did you hear me? We need to be with folks who will stand, who will sympathize, who will cry and support. And listen to me, we need to be the extended arms and hands and feet of Jesus to this world around us. When you go to the Welcome Center today and you take the name of one of those 51 kids, those are not kids that just came through, and I'm not knocking charitable organizations, but it didn't just come through Angel Tree or something of that nature. They are verified, legitimate needs. And when you take one of those 51 children and provide Christmas for them, you are being the hands and feet of Jesus Extended. We need to be that. And the reason for gathering together is to encourage each other and build each other up. Because going through life alone, folks, is a miserable existence. The writer of Hebrews tells us not to give up. I've already quoted that passage of scripture on gathering together, but to do it even more so. And so it was with these ten lepers. They refused to go it alone. And one day they heard that Jesus was passing through. Some of y'all are probably here this morning because you've heard Jesus is passing through. I mean, when, when you start a month, and I know I've said the numbers a lot, but listen, uh, I'm, I'm just praying and asking God for a harvest. It's not about numbers. It's not even about whether everybody that that passes through and gets saved or rededicates their life. It's not even about if they necessarily stay here as their home church. It's about are they ready for the rapture? It's about are they making their way to the kingdom of God? That's what it's about. The older I get, the more I want to see souls birthed into the kingdom. I want to tell you something. It would do us good this morning if some of us would realize and recognize what our purpose is for being here. This is not a club. This is not a social gathering this is not something you do to make yourself feel better on the weekend this is the kingdom of God and there are men women boys and girls all around us that are lost and dying and going to hell but God is calling you and God is calling you and God is calling me and I believe God's gonna send us an end time harvest of souls into the kingdom And so it was with these ten lepers, they refused to go it alone. And standing at a distance, they began to shout. They heard Jesus was passing through. And they began to shout, Lord, have mercy on us. And alone, they would have never had the strength or the courage to do that. But as a group, they encouraged one another to step out by faith. Have you ever noticed that sometimes in a worship service, when you feel like you just want to maybe step out and just walk and worship uh, I don't know if you ever feel that way or not, but I do. you ever notice when you feel that way, sometimes you're looking around to see if somebody else is stepping out and walking and worshiping? Because you don't want to be the only one, right? But then sometimes you'll find that when you step out, somebody else will step out behind you. And when somebody else steps out behind you, then somebody else will step out behind them. When you come to the altar, somebody else will come to the altar. When you get in the troubled water and they see that you're getting your blessing, they'll get in the troubled water and they'll come for their blessing. And That's exactly the way it was for these lepers. That's why it's important for us to be together because they realized that together they encouraged one another. See, what had happened was the world told them, you're unclean. The world told them, you are useless. The world told them, you are dying one day at a time. The world told them you'll never be amongst the rest of the people again. You'll never worship in the synagogue. You'll never work that job again. You'll never do the things you used to do. And that's what the world told them. And the problem with the church today is many people want to believe what the world tells you. But those lepers realized that together we know that Jesus is passing through. And with man this seems impossible. But with God all things are possible. So I believe while Jesus is passing through We'll just go together And we'll say Lord have mercy on us I want to talk to you about what happened I'm going to give you And I'm not normally a point preacher So if you're taking notes I'm going to give you four things today Number one don't give up on gathering Four things to learn from these lepers Don't give up on gathering Hebrews 10 and 25 I've done quoted it but I'm going to read it again Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See one of the problems with our society is facing all the addiction people are finding themselves in. I'm learning more and more that there's addictions that sit on church pews every Sunday morning. There's addictions that sit on church pews every Sunday morning. And a lot of times these addictions usually come as a result of loneliness. But please understand something this morning. You don't have to be alone to be lonely. Let me say that again. You don't have to be alone to be lonely. It goes much deeper than that. People are lonely most of the time because God is absent from their lives. This is why you'll never see me promote religion. You'll never see me promote necessarily a ministry. You'll never see me promote this church above other churches. What you will see me promote is Jesus Christ and his ability to save, sanctify, heal, and deliver. I think we ought to give him some praise this morning. It's all about a personal relationship with Jesus. A personal relationship. See, you can come hear about my relationship with Jesus all day long, but it won't do you any good but your personal relationship with Jesus will make a difference in your life there's a power folks when we gather together the last thing I'm going to say about this don't give up on gathering there's a power when we gather together not only with God but also with one another there's power when we pray together can I get a witness there's power when we worship together there's power when we give thanks and we praise together it encourages and strengthens our faith just as it did those ten lepers secondly here we go We have to learn to admit our need. That's a problem in society today and in the church world. We have to learn to admit our need. We need to admit our need, confess our sins, and cry out to Jesus. Folks, that's the very heart and the very essence of prayer. It's coming to Jesus and asking Him for His mercy and His grace. Did you know that there are medical studies and personal testimonies that show how beneficial prayer really is in your life? And if you ask these ten lepers about crying out to God, i tell you what they'd tell you. They'd tell you it made all the difference in the world for them. It was the difference in being sick unto death or being healed unto life. And far too often people give up on prayer because we don't see the results the way we want to see them. And we don't see the results when we want to see them. But I want to tell you this morning, God has the power to work miracles. Did you hear me? God has the power to work miracles. And and what he desires is a people that will have a faith, that will believe, and that will persevere, and that will continue praying and giving thanks. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this. Paul said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, say everything. By prayer and supplication, watch this, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, these lepers had faith and they knew that God could heal. They knew the story of Naaman. If you don't know the story of Naaman, he was the Syrian general who was miraculously healed of leprosy through the prophet Elisha. And this story was probably their favorite story. So these lepers knew that God could heal them. So they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. What did blind Bartimaeus cry out when he was on the side of the road? He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to tell you something today, church, in the same way, in the very same way. We have to learn to admit our need, and we have to put pride to the side, and we got to cry out to Jesus for his mercy. And when we'll do that, we'll find that God will meet us in the point of our need every single time. But it's so hard for us. So hard for us. Because we don't like to admit our faults or our shortcomings. Matter of fact, there's a lot of us who like to point out the faults and the shortcomings of somebody else. Don't be looking at me. I can tell you how you need to do better. I literally heard somebody say recently, I'm going to tell them how they need to do. And my stomach turned over inside of me. I thought, why don't you tell yourself how you need to do. If you did, you wouldn't be saying that. (laughs) Right? Right? We need to learn to admit. Listen, what's the word say? I, I, won't, I hate to bust your bubble, you ain't perfect. Now I know there's a lot of people and this, ain't, this is a full gospel Pentecostal Church of God movement but now there's a lot of people that believe and they like to boast in the fact that they live above sin for i I've even heard people quote the number of days they've lived, above, I've walked above sin for I heard somebody say one time for 73 days. And I thought, well, the Bible says call no man a fool, so I'll just bite my tongue right now. Because <laughs> this book tells me we have all, all, that's it. say everybody. That's everybody. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think I even sinned this morning. Now, I do sin, trust me. And here's the thing about me, I know when I do it, Cheryl. I I know when I sin. Listen, put me behind the wheel of a vehicle. You pull out in front of me or you go too slow. And I'm having to repent before I get where I'm going. Just ask my wife. This morning, though, I didn't do anything that I knew of. My daughter looked at me in that room right over there and she said, you need to pray. I said, well, okay. I prayed. You know why? I need God's grace and mercy. You know why? I ain't ashamed to admit I need God's anointing. As a matter of fact, I could get up before you every Sunday. But without God's anointing, it won't do you no good or me no good either. But when God is in the middle of it, you'll see folks saved. You'll see folks delivered. You'll see folks rededicating their lives to him. We got to learn to come humbly before the Lord and admit our wrongs, our shortcomings, and our sins. And ain't it good the psalmist said his mercies are due every morning. So guess what? If you needed God's mercy yesterday and you're realizing today, whoops, I need it again. Guess what? I got good news. His mercies are new every morning. A story goes that a woman had just gotten some bad news at the hospital and she was mad at God. Some of y'all can probably relate to this. She went to the hospital chapel to have it out with God, but as she approached the front, she, she tripped and she fell. And when she fell, she raised her head up and she looked at that first step. And engraved on the step, at the bottom of the step, it said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Instead of getting mad at God, she confessed her sins and she asked God for his mercy. And you know how the story goes? She also got her physical healing. Because that's the way that God works. But this story describes us to a T most of the time. We come to God making demands. I've heard people do it. We come to God making demands when we instead we should be coming on our knees confessing our sins and surrendering ourselves to his mercy and saying, God, be merciful to me yet again. Number three, step out in faith. Here's what the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 1 says about faith. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Let me read that again and keep that up there for me, please, Jordo. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, after Jesus heard the cry, I want you to get this, of these lepers, he saw them. After he heard their cry, he saw them. And he didn't call them over to him to touch them or say some special prayer. Instead, here's what he said. He said, Go show yourself to the priest. So you got to imagine this. These lepers are crying out to Jesus, expecting this miracle. And they say, Lord, have mercy on us. And all Jesus says to them is, Go show yourself to the priest. Because at this point, they must have looked at each other to see if anything had changed. But they realized they were still lepers. They still had the spots all over their skin. And they knew that the law stated that only the Jewish priests could pronounce them clean. But nothing had changed. Are you with me this morning? They were still lepers and the priests would have nothing to do with them if they did go see them. And so they came to this crisis of faith if you will would they obey even though nothing was different would they believe even though nothing had changed they believed in what Jesus said and here's what they did they went to Jesus and they said Us, uh, the Lord have mercy on us and Jesus says to them go show yourself to the priest so here's what they did they turned around there was still leprosy all over them and they looked and they thought well he said go show ourselves to the priest and they were walking the way the Lord had told them to go But you've got to remember faith is being confident in what you hope for and being assured of what you do not see so even though they had prayed even though they had said Lord have mercy on us and they looked down and they didn't see that anything had changed what is faith? faith is confidence in what you're hoping for and it's assurance of what you do not see so I believe they were walking that way to those priests in faith when all of a sudden they began to look down I don't believe they even made it all the way to the priest. They began to look down and they thought, my spots are gone. I don't have spots on me anymore. He's already healed me. He's already touched me. Why? Because faith is confidence in what you hope for. And it's assurance about what you cannot see. But it wasn't until they stepped out in faith. See, when Jesus first said, go show yourself to the priest, they were still covered in leprosy. But it wasn't until they stepped out in faith and it was only then that they experienced their healing because that's the way faith works. Faith is trusting and obeying God even if there's no visible evidence to support the faith. Faith is walking out this life based upon God's Word. And what's really neat about faith is that when we by faith start to follow God's Word He'll give us the power to live it out. One person described it this way. Faith. Is coming to the edge of all you can see and feel, like right here. But then it's taking one more step into the darkness. Watch this. Taking one more step into the darkness, trusting that God will either catch you or teach you how to fly. Woo, isn't that good? That's what faith is. Faith is coming to the edge of all you can see and feel and taking one more step into the darkness trusting that God's either gonna catch you or he's gonna teach you how to fly you know what that reminds me of that reminds me that's the last lesson uh, uh, I mean that's the next to the last lesson we're gonna learn from those lepers but that also reminds me of a story of three Hebrew children Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they had faith because when they were told to bow to the king's music they said we will not bow to your music O king and here's what they went on to Say They said, for the God we serve will deliver is able to deliver us from the fire. Are you with me? That's faith. The God we serve is able to deliver us from the fire. So we ain't going to be tricked into bowing or bending. But then they went on to say, but if he don't, we'll still worship him. We'll still praise him. That's trust. When in your life, when you begin to say, the God I serve is able to do it. But if he don't. I'm still going to worship I'm still going to praise I'm still going to glorify and honor him That's trust in God And our last lesson From these lepers Is at the heart of what I first said about our Our giving thanks is more than just being thankful for what's happened But it's a door For God's blessings I don't want you to miss this This morning Luke chapter 17 verses 15 and 16 And one of them, say one, one One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a, there's that Pentecostal again, loud voice, and glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. I told you we were going to talk about that because it was significant. He was not even a Jew. He was a Samaritan. Samaritan folks were despised. They were spit upon, customarily spit upon. Nobody wanted to be a Samaritan. As a matter of fact, if you remember the story, when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria, some of his disciples were like, why? Why would you want to do that? Why would anybody want to go through Samaria? But Jesus wanted to go through Samaria because he knew there was a woman there that needed something from him. This leper was a Samaritan so he had a double whammy. Not only was he a leper he was also a Samaritan and, uh, but I want you to notice the Samaritan the one, the, the one from the wrong side of the tracks if you will was the only one that returned to thank Jesus. Did you catch that? He was the only one. This is what I don't want you to miss. I believe that when he was amongst the crowd and he said Lord have mercy on us and Jesus said go show yourself to the priest and he turned around and he began walking I believe, like I told you a minute ago, I believe they began to see as they took their walk of faith, all of them, the leprosy began to disappear. But I believe that one was like, oh my goodness. And you know, most of the rest of them was probably like, oh, thank you, Lord. And they went on their way. But I believe that one was like, oh my goodness, look what he's done for me. I got to go back. I got to go back and I got to thank him. I got to go back and I got to praise him. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to tell you, don't forget what God's done for you, don't neglect to give God the praise that he deserves. We'll do everything else there is in this world But many times when God moves for us We fail to come back And God said there was one that came back And he fell down on his knees And he began to thank him And he began to praise him I'm telling you God's waiting on the nine In this hour that we live in The nine that he's done something for But you've not came back to praise him Now here's what I know about praise You can worship God and you can, you can not make a sound But you can't praise him And you can't thank him Without opening your mouth If Cheryl does something good for me And I go to Cheryl and I'm like She don't know if I'm saying I'm going to get you Or if I'm saying Thank you For what you did for me got to open your mouth to give him thanks. So I want you to follow me very quickly as I'll come to the music I'm about to close. Here's the lesson to remember. When God does something for you, don't forget to go back and thank him. And in this passage of scripture, what happened to the other nine? They received their healing and they went on their way. And in the passage that I read to you, We can almost hear the sorrow in Jesus' voice, as Jesus asked, He said, were there not 10 cleansed? Were there not 10? You can almost hear His heartbreak over the callousness of people to His love. See here's what I know, people often ask God for help and they end up thanking somebody else for it. I remember a time in this church when it was very, very young. I prayed earnestly to God for something. It's still young. It was only eight years ago, really. And I prayed earnestly to God for something. And God used somebody else to meet that need. And when the need was met, they were around. And and I remember I I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. And it was almost like they were slightly offended. And they looked at me and they said, you can thank God, but you need to thank me. I did that. I thanked him. I said, yeah, I thank you. I do appreciate you. Let me tell you something. You may not realize it, but I got in my prayer closet. I talked to Jesus about this, and he used you as an instrument to do what I'd already asked him to do. So I thank you, but i got to give praise who's worthy. I've got to, see, I know where my help comes from. Are you with me this morning? What did the psalmist say in Psalms chapter 121 and verse 2? He said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help my help comes from the Lord my help comes from the Lord your help comes from the Lord so I've got to praise him and I've got to thank him stand with me all over this room another reason many times people fail to give thanks and praise to God is because they're too busy just too busy here's what I want you to understand the other nine I told you about how this praise and thanks thing was the key to a window for God's greater blessings the other nine they received their healing have you thought about that they received their healing but I think the King James Version says it best because the other nine received the physical healing but it's not until The one came back and thanked Jesus that he received a greater blessing than the healing. A spiritual blessing. The King James Version said it this way. Arise. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. I want to tell you, spiritual blessings come from true thankfulness. You want the windows of heaven to open? You open your mouth and begin to thank Him and praise Him for what He's done for you. Because here's the reality folks Here's the reality It's possible For you to be healed But not be whole The other nine were healed They all looked down and saw the leprosy was gone But then they went on about their merry way It's possible To be healed And not whole Close with this passage of scripture 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 Verses 16 through 18. The apostle Paul said, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And here's the key. Give thanks. Don't just be thankful. I believe they were thankful they got healed as they went on their way. But there was one that came back and gave some thanks. I believe that God's waiting on the nine. I believe God's waiting for some people this morning who will say, I've got to come back. I've got to give him some thanks for what he's done in my life. It's not just enough to go on about my merry way and go on about my life. I've got to go back and I've got to say thank you, Jesus. I've got to say praise you, Lord. I've got to say thank you for showing up when I was helpless, when I was hopeless. Thank you, God, that you brought me some of you ought to be praising Him this morning. I said some of you ought to be praising Him this morning. The nine received their healing, but they missed out on the blessing of wholeness. So here's what we're going to do. They're going to sing this morning, and I believe God's waiting on the nine and when and if we ever do return to really give him thanks and praise I believe he's ready to meet us right here with wholeness but I also came to tell you this morning if you're in this room I want you to begin to pray church right now if you're in this room and you've never had him cleanse you you've never had him forgive you I don't leave this place today without running to this altar and saying Lord have mercy on me because I want to tell you Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. I believe there could be those in this room today, you need to join the other six that have been saved, the five that have rededicated, or maybe the eight that followed the Lord in water baptism. But you need to join them today and you need to say, Lord, have mercy on me. And then you need to experience what God has for your life. So as they sing today, this altar's open and I believe God's waiting on the